Hey, it's Fallon. You're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. I usually record this intro after I record the episode, and today took me a little while to honestly um, compose myself before creating the intro because I was just going to talk about how I have my routines and now I have my podcast, and so I know on Tuesday morning when I go in my car, I listen to this one, and Thursday I have this one. And maybe you have that routine with my podcast on Fridays, and I'm so thankful for that. That's um, amazing. I do want to share that today's episode, there um, could be trigger warnings uh, surrounding suicide, and we do talk about PTSD um, from time spent in the military, and the hope is that the episode today, um, this is Ashley's hope, that this can help someone. Um and, and I'm going to let Ashley share her story. Ashley joins me today on the Heartbroken Podcast. Ashley, tell us a little bit about what we'll hear in your episode today. So um, I'm just here to share my heartbreak story to try to prevent this happening for someone else. My husband was a veteran, joined the Army right after high school, and um, since then just had a lifelong struggle with PTSD. And so just kind of shining light onto that. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. So let's start from the beginning. So you guys, were you high school sweethearts then? We actually, we went to the same high school, but we didn't meet until after, it was literally the day after my 18th birthday, which is so funny because he's a couple of years older than me. So it worked out to be that way. But yeah, we had met. Just the day after my 18th birthday, we had a lot of mutual friends. We grew up in a smaller town. Um, and just, it was after he got out of the army. And just, it, we were just like, we always said, the peanut butter to my pickle. Because I love peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Okay. Well, that's amazing anyway. Because <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever tried that. So now I feel like I need to try a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Oh, they're amazing. My mom started me on them. And then especially like when I was pregnant, I would just eat them all day. And he even oh. started eating them too, but they're good. It's a weird, but but good combo. <laughs> and he was, is he the pickle or was he the peanut butter in this situation? Uh, we'll keep it PG. He was the peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So you were, so he had already been in the military a couple of years then when you started dating. Yep. Yep. He actually, it was right after he, um, he got out of the military. So he was, uh, he was out and, um, had moved back up to, to our hometown and whatnot. And then we, like I said, we just kind of, it was just like that instant connection you guys, I mean, you're young. Did you get, did you start getting, becoming serious pretty quickly? No, we, so, and this was, I thank you for saying that I'm young because this was like 16 years ago, 17 or yeah, 16 years ago. So feels like, feels like it was just yesterday, but, um, no. So we started dating, hanging out, hanging out with mutual friends and whatnot. And then it just 
progressed and we were together for quite a few years, got married, um, had my son. And then six years later, we decided we wanted to have another before we hung it up or whatever. And uh, just having a bigger family. Um, and then that kind of brings us to where we are now. So throughout that time, was he? you said he suffered throughout your relationship with PTSD. Could you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah. And it was in, you know, the thing, especially right when he came out of the army, it was something, and it still is such a taboo thing, um, mental illness in general. Mm -hmm. um, He didn't feel like he needed any help with that. He didn't feel like he was entitled to any of that help through the VA initially, because there's through the VA, they have different um, compensations because like even mental illness can be debilitating to in kind of um, take away what someone can do for employment. It, it really like debilitates you in your everyday life, depending on what's kind of what kind of state you're in with that. So he, for the longest time, didn't want to go in. And when he did go in, it was just kind of like a shuffle around like a sure anyone with the military it's a hurry up and wait so hurry up you gotta fill out all these forms do all this paperwork and then you go and you meet with these different doctors to start getting a diagnosis and a treatment plan and then the next time you go for your next appointment that doctor is no longer there so you're then explaining your whole story your uh-huh. whole situation after so it just seems to be kind of like overwhelming too for them well, yeah. And because I don't know a ton about this, I've never dated anyone in the military or anything. So he served for, you said he was in for a couple of years. What were the things he was, what were the, I mean, maybe this is too much uh, personal information. What were the things that were causing him these issues? Well, it, it's a lot of times he would say it would be like nightmares. Okay. He'd have a lot of hard time sleep. He would have a hard time sleeping. And then Along with PTSD, you get that depression and anxiety. I feel like they kind of come hand in hand and not always. I'm not a medical professional. So anything I'm saying, this is out of my personal experience, but they go hand in hand. And so with the nightmares and the trouble sleeping, you get that anxiety and you get that just nasty pit in your stomach. You can't eat and then you're not getting the nutrients you need. And then you then now you're starting to battle with depression. And that's just like a whole nother like beast to take on. So it, I think a lot of it started off with the nightmares and then to, especially recently, just all of the, all of the craziness of what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. He, he would work downtown Minneapolis and there were times where, especially after all of the civil unrest, all the craziness and heartache that happened over the summer in Minneapolis, like he would go down there and he's like, God, I feel like I'm back in Iraq. He was one of the first deployed over to Iraq after Operation Iraqi Freedom. So he saw a lot of really hard stuff to see. And then to like, feel like you're seeing that or you're reminded of that at home. Like, I can't even imagine. So was how, I guess, how was it like with him at home? Was it consistent was it um did it go and come and go in waves yeah it would it would come and go in waves he would be feeling really good be doing really good and it's like sometimes it it wouldn't even be anything 
that would cause it. But a lot of times it would just be like extra stressors if, you know, he got a promotion at work, which is really great. But then there's added pressure onto that too. And then trying to manage that, I think at times too got to be really hard. Having kids, just kids in general are super stressful. And then an infant in there along with a six-year-old. And so just not to place blame on any of that stuff at all, but it's just like those added everyday stressors that we all deal with, like that becomes so much more to someone who is battling those already additional internal stressors and anxiety. What were things like for you during this time? It was, it's hard. Like you don't know who you're going to get. And so you're walking on eggshells and I felt bad feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Now that, now that things have progressed to what they are and ended tragically the way they did, I feel like now I'm more like, I'm more seeking like support for myself instead of before it was just constantly like, I need to support him or the kids. So, but, um, so during that time you didn't have, you didn't have that. No. And it's, and that's the thing, like, you know, with the VA after everything, they reached out and asked, um, you know, what are like, what are some things that you feel could have helped prevent this or where are we going wrong? Which I think is great because, Everyone knows the VA has their issues and it's great to see that they're even trying at this point. But a lot of what I said is, you know, everything's directed at the veteran. Like you don't realize they have a family. This, Mm -hmm. it's not an individual disease. It's not an individual trauma that they're going through by themselves. They have a whole family that's, this is affecting. So to have maybe different, like a flyer for different support groups that are in the area or just absolutely that's I feel like that's an easy thing to do to have right for that because you're not then you don't have to ha- set up one-on-one appointments you have one person who is there with a group of people and they're exactly. able to share their similar experiences so you don't feel so isolated and alone exactly and and yeah because like I just you don't even it's not like there's like any I, I, PTSD in general I don't feel like I didn't know a whole lot about it even knowing that my husband had it. It's kind of something was like, well, it's kind of looped in with like depression, anxiety. It's something traumatic that, that he went through, but just like the different like triggers, different things that would trigger. And you see, like, you always see those, those posters like around 4th of July with veterans with PTSD for fireworks. Like that's so real. It seems so silly. And yes, they know that it's the 4th of July, but it's just something that just triggers in their mind where they can't help it. It's they can't help but go to that place. It'd be like a diabetic having too much, like whatever it is in their system. Like yeah. I, in, in, I always go to like the diabetic when I like, when I kind of try to compare because it's just to show that it's not something that they can control. Right. It's not something that they're doing. It's something that's happening to them. So Ashley, did he ever find a consistent person to talk to or was it just a constant new doctor re-explaining his situation? He, in that time when he was going to the VA regularly, it was 
a new doctor every time. So then he just stopped going. He did eventually, um, for any like medical stuff that he needed, um, he would go to an outpatient clinic where he did have like an established doctor and he liked her, but it wasn't someone that he would like, it wasn't like a, a mental health doctor. Right. right. He never got that side of things that he really truly needed. No. And, and two, another thing was, I remember when he was going, it was medication here, take these anti-anxiety medications, take sleeping pills to help you sleep. And he's just, he's, he didn't like the way it made him feel. He just wasn't one who even liked to take pills in general. Mm -hmm. It's a slippery slope for people. And so it's just something that he didn't want. It didn't, he didn't feel like it helped for him. And I had always said, you know, why don't they have like, offer you some kind of like support group or like, cause it doesn't even have to be one-on-one counseling, but some kind of support group. And it, and I guess I, I can't truly speak on if the VA did offer him any of that stuff, because again, he's the veteran, I'm the family member. I don't mm-hmm. know what it, nothing came in the mail for him because if it would have came in the mail, I would have seen it. But in regards to if it was something discussed in his one-on-one appointments, that could be, but I, whenever I had asked about it, he just said they never offered him anything. Throughout this time, did he discuss with you having thoughts about ending his life? Um, he, years ago, he had made an attempt, and this was before, um, before we got married, before we had kids or anything. This was like back in... I want to say like 2008 and there was just a lot of stressors going on. Um, and I was there and I prevented it. Um, but since then, he just always said like, he wouldn't want to do that to, to our son and now to our daughter like that he realized that that wasn't the answer. So it's just, I know like people say suicide is such a selfish and weak thing to do. Like the, the officer that dealt with me with everything with with my husband um he had just initially said and I think he thought he was like trying to comfort me but he's just like you know it was a selfish thing for him to do like this is not your fault and I wanted to be like dude you don't know him you don't know me you don't know our story like I a, I know this wasn't my fault I understand mental illness but my husband was the least selfish person you would ever meet. And he was a strong person. And this is, it's something that they deal with daily. Like this is just like eating away at, at them daily. And like, I don't know with, with that, I guess just no, if you know someone that's battling depression 
PTSD, anxiety, know that this is a daily battle for them within themselves and they are not weak and they are not selfish. Like it takes a strong person to put on a smile every day feeling like that. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. Do you feel comfortable sharing what happened? He, he, uh, was going to his dad passed away a couple of years ago with cancer and he was going to, it, he was, it, it was obviously like a low night for him. It was a low moment for him. He was going to the spot where his dad's ashes were. Um, and I, it was just, he, um, he took his handgun with him for that. He didn't make it up there all the way because I had called for um, kind of like a well check. Obviously, because he had left the house, he was not in a good state of mind and everything knowing. So just hoping that like they would find him and stop him before. And um, when he saw, when the officer went to go pull him over, that's when he had had done it. Um, but, and so it's just, it, it was such like, in the heat of the moment, it was, it was that moment where he felt like this was the best option. Like if it's such a permanent solution to a temporary feeling, but in that moment, the suicidal mind is not rational. Like he's not able to see the bigger picture. I know anybody who knows Jason, he was, his kids were his world. He was our sons. Our son's hockey coach. He coached a bunch of little kids with hockey, like, and he loved it. And he loved those kids. And he loved doing that stuff. And Emma was just our daughter. She's now nine months old. And she could do no wrong. I know as a baby, like, it was just, she would, like, listen for his voice. And just, like, instantly stop crying when she heard him talk. Like, he just loved those kids so much. And in his right state of mind, he would not do anything to ever hurt them. It's such a, it's just, they're not able to rationalize in that moment. Yeah. Ashley, how long ago was this? Um, January 21st of 2021. This is very fresh. Very fresh. Yeah. I, first of all, I'm so very sorry. I can't imagine what the past few months have been like for you and your family. Because uh, kids aside, this has been your partner since you were 18 years old. Yeah. I just can't imagine how, how have you, how have you been the past few months? You know, it's been very 
grief is a very like fluid thing. It's, it's ever changing. And some days I don't even want to get out of bed, but other days, like I feel okay, like with the kids and everything. And we're like, that's probably like the biggest thing. If I didn't have the kids, I don't like, I would have no point to like get up out of bed every day. If I was feeling low that day, I could be like, whatever, I'll call into work, who cares? But I have a baby who needs me. I have a six-year-old who needs me. And as hard as that is, that's such a blessing to have. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing therapy weekly. I, my son is in therapy with me. He's going every other week and like, just so he knows, like, and obviously as a six-year-old, like he doesn't know the magnitude of any of this. He just knows his dad was sick. He knows his dad was really sad. He knows his dad was in the army and he helped a lot of people. And when he helped those people, he saw a lot of really bad things that made him sad. So it's like, just, I don't know, keeping him talking about things and processing through emotions. And it's hard, but if you don't deal with it, you can't move through it. Um, so it's just been, it's been a lot, but it has also shown me all the people in our lives that love us. What a great support system we have. And it sounds so cliche saying that, but honestly, it's like, I have friends from high school that I haven't talked to in years that are bringing me over diapers, bringing me over food, coming to hang out, just checking in on us. And I don't always get an opportunity to respond right away or be there when they drop stuff off, but it's so appreciated and you just don't realize how many people you touch and how many people care about you, even though it's not someone that you are in contact with on a daily basis, but just how many people like truly love you as a person and who are there for you. Early on in the podcast, you discussed how in your time together, you never got to focus on yourself because you had, you were trying to help him. You're obviously taking care of kids. And now you finally have put yourself into, you said therapy and you've been focusing on yourself. Are there any takeaways you've had thus far? Um, I would say just that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not always put on that smile. And like, I'm someone to where I would, I'm kind of like OCD in some certain aspects and little things that would bother me. I just, now I'm like, why, like, why stress about it? And the big whole scheme of things, like, is it really that important? So I, my son one day, and this was, again, this is also really fresh with him, but it was like, you need to get up. You need to go to school. Like, this is what you do because like, and that's just how you, I, I don't know how you're like programmed. Like every day, Monday through Friday, you get up, you get ready, you go to school or work and you go home and you do this, 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 and this very routine oriented. And it's like, forget it today like let's just have that day so to just kind of live in the moment more in that aspect what have been the things that have 
run through your head because I think you, you know, you, you talked about grief and grief hits people so differently and in so many ways. And, um, and for life, grief doesn't just one day you wake up and it goes away. That's with you for, especially in this situation. Are there things that you've beaten yourself up over? Are there things that you've overly worried about concerning your future? Oh, definitely. Just even, I was talking with my therapist on Monday about this and it's, I think of, you know, and every couple goes through it and it's totally normal, like just arguments or just like he made me mad. So I said something and I said it to hurt his feelings and vice versa. Like, again, every couple goes through that, but just Mm -hmm. like looking back on that and saying like, think you think I wish I would have appreciated him more and let him know that more. And I know now he knows that, but the feeling that it is left with me is like, that's the hard part is just knowing that like those little stupid fights that we got into or just like, I, I don't know, not even just like, I'm not a, I'm not a handy person at all. Uh-huh. Same. So just the stupid stuff around the house, I have to call someone to help have them help me. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. And a lot of times in those situations, I think of who to call and even like with our friends, he would have been the one that everyone called. Like he just like a jack of all trades. He could do anything and make it look so easy. I like had to put together a kitchen table and chairs and something I thought that was going to take me an hour was like four hours. And it's like, I to try to do that with kids at the house. And it's just all those like little things that you don't think about that you just really take for granted. Um, and I wish I would have, I wish I would have, express that more to him and then too you know you just think of like that day that night did I say something you know an argument that we had and it's like it's getting into the what ifs and it's so easy to sink into that and it's like a like a purgatory of your own mind I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie uh, the Robin Williams movie what dreams may come oh yeah and I just think of like how his wife is after, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, after his wife commits suicide, she's in this purgatory and it's like a purgatory of your own mind where you're just like, you're, you just get sucked into this black hole and you'll die with the what ifs. Like you, you can't, you can't stay there. And I, I get into that point sometimes and I know I will again in the future and it's just like snapping myself out of it knowing like this is a disease that took him it's not him that took him it's not anything I did anything I said anything his family did his friends nothing it was this disease that took him I know that you said you were appreciative that the VA did reach out after you, you also said that you just don't want anyone else 
to experience this. Yeah, we in eight days before this happened, we had reached out to the VA and I called on his behalf, which I did for all of his doctor appointments um, to schedule a mental health appointment because he he could see that things were bothering him and he just, he didn't want to feel that way anymore. So we had talked about it and he's like, yeah, I'm open to like an outpatient treatment program, something. I don't want something where I have to like be away from the kids and you like, I'm, I want to feel better though. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And we called, um, just the VA number and for, went through the prompts for a mental health appointment and I never heard anything back. Jason never got a call back. I never got a call back in eight days. Like I know there's the mental health crisis hotline number, but we should be wanting to get to these people before they're in a crisis. Yeah. This moment where they're making the step to call and reach out for an appointment. I don't think it's too Which much. So many people don't do. They don't even get to that point yeah. because they they don't get there. And he did that. That's a very yeah. vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, and it's. I don't think it's too much to ask for. Even within twenty four hours, a phone call, something. Um, I do know the VA is a very underfunded program. It's something that needs a lot of work, um, and I hope they get there because it's. On average, 22 veterans a day take their lives. And these are the people that they they give so much for us. And I know it, it sounds cheesy, but they do. They give so much for you and me. And we, we owe them. Absolutely. Ashley, I just, I really want to thank you for sharing your story today and I'm so so incredibly sorry um you know you and I chatted for a little bit in advance and you were worried about breaking down and it's like well I mean I don't I mean it's it just happened not and and I imagine that this will be I mean who knows in three years talking about it could cause that and I think that that's absolutely okay because you're allowed you're allowed to break down you're allowed to have these moments for as long as you want, because that was your partner. That was the father to your children. That was your, as you said earlier, the peanut butter to your pickle. So I mean, <laughs> I, I just feel for you. I know everyone listening feels for you. I hope that if someone's listening and they're in a similar situation, they reach out and find the help that they, you know, whatever way they need to, if, you know, I mean, you could, I know you can only control so much, but I hope that if someone's listening to this, then they take the action because I think a lot of people know someone going through something similar. Definitely. And that's why I'm, I appreciate you having me on. It's if, if anything, if this can just make one person stop and think, and this could just save one person or help one person talk about it. Like, I know that Jason's life wasn't for naught. Jason's battle wasn't for naught. And one thing that I want to say, and it's, I, I find myself like reaching for things to just like help 
build me through this is there is hope even when you even when your brain tells you there isn't there's always hope again these are permanent solutions to such a temporary issue and it's gonna get better there's always more to your story i can't say it any better than that i that's it's beautiful and i i just thank you so much for sharing that and being on the podcast today well thank you for having me i appreciate it so much of course and thank you so much for listening to the heartbroken podcast 